everyone. Welcome back to Adherent Apologetics. As always, we're brought to you by you with your support on patreon.com slash Adherent Apologetics. Today is the first part of the three shows that we're going to be doing, highlighting some reconstruction, how God's been working through people's lives with theology and apologetics. Today I'm joined by Dean. If you know him on Twitter, he's known by the London Theist. Uh, he's come to Christianity in the past three years, or past two years, uh, joining me all the way from London in a lockdown. Dean, welcome. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you, Zach. Thank you for the introduction. And it's great to be on your channel. I've been a long time admirer, so it's, it's a real honor to be here with you. And, well, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, th thank you very much. Yeah, for sure. It's an honor to have an admirer, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, but um, first off, before we get into kind of the like um, nitty gritty stuff, talk a little bit about like who you are. Um, obviously, you're from London and unfortunately you're a Tottenham fan, even though you should be like a <laughs> Liverpool fan. So just just give a little bit of an introduction for like people who don't know who Dean, who this Dean person is. Like, who are you? Well, for an introduction for like um, all your Americans who are watching like Tottenham, a uh, London person can never be a Liverpool fan. We have to be either Tottenham, Arsenal or Chelsea or West Ham. <laughs> So I'm Tottenham because I live very. I was brought up very close to that area. So, yeah, Tottenham and Arsenal are the big rivals. But yeah, yeah, my name's Dean Scott. I'm 29. Uh, I've been a Christian. I was raised secular. I've been a Christian for about a year and a half now, just over. And yeah, um, I work as a facilities manager at a university in Greenwich, where I'm currently living, so southeast of England, uh, London, and. Yeah, 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 that's a brief introduction. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So, what I, uh, just for people listening, what's going to be going on in this show and uh, these next few shows, we're just going to be talking about some stories of people who um, have kind of either grown up atheist agnostic or became atheists atheist slash agnostics and kind of came to faith just to kind of highlight um, reconstruction and the amazing um, abilities that have come through apologetics and theology. So, uh, Dean, just to start off, you talked about um, coming from like uh, a non-Christian background. Like what kind of was like your background like in growing up like, in terms of like religious beliefs, spiritual beliefs and anything else along these lines? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, to be honest, I, in the UK for like the past 30, 40 years at least, it's, it's been very secular. It's been tilted in that way. And I was raised like most of my friends, very much secular, very much agnostic slash atheist. Mm -hmm. I was more agnostic, but most of my friends were atheist. And it's just you, you're, you're sort of distanced from religion at very young. You, you don't, unless you're raised in actually as a Catholic or president Christian in a certain environment with your family, you, you don't have much contact with it. And I was, my parents were agnostic. My nan on my dad's side was from Northern Ireland Catholic, but we never really spoke about religion or God or anything like that. And yeah, I never attended church for the first 17 years of my life. It was only until, um, yeah, in religious education in school as well, you you basically learn about every other religion apart from Christianity. It's like very, it's just just information really. I never, I never liked the class. So I, was, I was into history in school. But yeah, it, it, not never an interest for me. Never sank a thought on. I never really prayed. Maybe occasionally pray or, or think of about that occasionally, but very rarely. And when I was about seventeen, my brother, actually my younger brother, who was fifteen, brought a Bible into the house. So I read the Bible. My parents and me were sitting in the living room. Like, what's this? What's going on? Like, he's got a Bible, and we found out he's been influenced by like footballers, and because he was playing football like for Arsenal, unfortunately at the time, like academy level. Wow. And. Uh, he was really good at football when he was young and he, he just he got influenced by like Cristiano Ronaldo, other people who are Christians. And he he, he must have just bought the Bible or something changing him. And he, he started reading the Bible quite often and we saw it and we were just all questioning it, like, what's going on here? And 
it, it was really strange over the next few weeks, like a spirit sort of come into the house. It, we, we all become so interested. And it, it was it was just saying it was drawing us kind of. It, my, my parents as well as me. Was, and I ended up buying a Bible. And for, I suppose, six months, we, we went to a few churches. We, we, we just got really into it. And it, it's hard to explain when the, when the spirit sort of draws you the first time. It, it was kind of out of the blue, apart from his, him getting the Bible. And, yeah, we started having discussions about it. We found on Sky TV where there's, like, the God TV channel. So there's people on there like Joe Osteen, Joyce mm. Mayer, T.D. Jakes, Creflo Dunn. They're all the people you see. And Billy Graham, who I still like. Um, there, there was all that. So we started watching that, being TV, and started going to churches. And we found a church we actually liked quite nearby. And then my brother stopped going to church because he he just did, he liked reading the Bible, but he was very personal about his faith. and. Mm. And he stayed off it, and me and my parents stayed. Yeah, so overall, it was about six months, maybe a year overall. How old were you when this was happening? Did you say? Pardon? I said, how old were you when you said? I was seventeen. Okay. Seventeen. So yeah, it was about twelve years ago. And yeah, over that period, I, I was still in England. There's like a big drinking culture and like pubs and things. I'm not sure if you guys are all aware, but as a, as a, I'm not sure in America everyone goes out anyway. It's the bars and that, but in England, it's it's very much when you leave school you go to the pub and when you leave work you go to the pub sorry after college and work and I just got caught up in that all my friends were doing that none of my friends at this time were Christian so it was was quite an awkward little period I was having these things and then they would sort of question me about what you believe Adam and Eve you believe dinosaurs were on an ark and whether whether like they were answering these questions I didn't have a clue what like any of it really was because I only just started reading the bible I was thinking oh yeah that's a that's a point and even though I was trying to pray to God and feeling him, I was I would look back now, I was still being led by the world and the flesh in, in ways. I was being drawn and I deep down I wanted to still go out. I wanted to like go out to get drunk, watch the football, go out to bars and and just just be like what a teenager and what a young twenty year old sort of is. Mm-hmm. And eventually I drifted and drifted and we just stopped going to the church. And over years, I suppose it was about a five year period, six year period, it was just more more drifting and just living my life as a young man, enjoying myself. And and I still would occasionally pray, but it, to be honest, it, it was more, it wasn't a real prayer. It was just if I was scared about something or an exam or, or something like that, but yeah. not thinking, is there actually a God? And times I'd think that I'd just get confused and I'd have some discussions. But over that period, I, w- I just wasn't into it, even though I, I sensed that was looking back now, it was the first time the Holy Spirit had come towards me and it may be me rejecting it but he was still there present in my life mm. and yeah that that was how it really all started and as I carried on I got to so I started going through a bit rough spell in life probably drinking too much moving around jobs and then I, I found a new job in Greenwich and at that time I sort of thought right I'll get my life together a bit of motivation and I remembered people like TD Jakes and that and I was listening to them on YouTube and they've got quite a lot of motivational stuff like motivational clips like to get you going and it, it, it was encouraging me and then I got into like a law of attraction and things like that and at the time I was reading a lot of history of Roman history in particular mm. so I got led into like Roman stoicism and it all sort of linked in like it went from law of attraction which I had a real brief period like positive thinking things like that into mindfulness and then into Roman stoicism and that really caught my attention I started buying books on that and uh, the daily stoic which was a great like one day uh, calendar year meditation mm-hmm. and Marcus Aurelius's meditations and then things really started to influence me and it got me in a good place you know and I was praying again it, it, 
it got me in a good place. I met my fiance. I, I started drinking less, and I, I I just started to have a, like a good yeah good good year or so with traveling across Europe. I was learning history, studying more and more. Mm. And then I started drinking a bit more again. It, it's, it's like I go through these sort of cycles. Mm-hmm. And then I, I was still reading a lot, and stoicism was still quite a big part of my thing. And I was still listening to people like TDJ occasionally for motivation. So I still had a bit of a Christian influence coming in. And it wasn't until, what, last May, sorry, not last May, the one before, so just over about a year and a half ago, that my life, it sort of all started descending. Like I was having a few problems with Alexia, my fiance. We, we was going through things. I was drinking, going out a bit too much. My uncle died from alcoholism. Mm. I had arguments with some friends. And it, there was just tough times. And I was thinking his, in my uh, previously to that, my nan had died and a few years before that and a year before that. And it was just things were going on. And I was thinking, is this the meaning to life? And I'd read a book, uh, Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, which really influenced me at that time as well as in the stoicism phase. And he was talking about how religious people can cope with life stronger in the concentration camps than other people he noticed that mm-hmm. even though he wasn't too much religious um and yeah it, it was just all coming to an end uh, not an end sorry like, like a head like my life and things like that and i was and i just reached out i thought you know what you you're, you you you've been an agnostic this long you've dabbled with god occasionally but why don't you just reach out then where i reach out pray and then i just got down and i started praying i said god lord if you're real just show me a sign like mm-hmm. just start Show me the way. Like, I want to change. I want to be a better man. I want to get on the right path. And I picked up my Bible again from my parents and took it back here. And I was reading that bit again. And over the next few months, from like May till July, I just started having a few religious experiences, things which I know deep down were signs from God. And a lot of skeptics will dismiss them, I know. But deep down, there were the questions I needed answered. Mm. And there were certain signs coming up and times when I was really down. And it was a time, a period, a, a tough period for me because it was a time when I become a Christian and, and I, after these religious experiences, and it was a time when I realized actually, then you haven't been living the right life at all. This isn't what the Bible said. I'm reading the Bible now. And I'm saying I'm part of the world. My drunkenness, my, my, the way I was living, it's not in line with God's word. It's not in line with how I should be and my, what the way my morality sort of drawing me now, I feel. And yeah, it was quite hard. I was I was getting really upset at times, and it was. I'll give you one example of the religious experience. One of these times, I was upset, and I was at work, and I was just and I sat at my. I'm like the facilities manager at the office, and I went down, and my guys they'd left, and I had to cover their post while before the next guy come in. So I was at their desk, and I was like kneeling in prayer, like leaning against the table in prayer, like a bit down, and saying, "Lord, I need more signs. I need your help." and the head librarian at the time, the, the, my place very secular, this university, extremely secular. And the head librarian at the time was the only born-again Christian I, I knew in out of thousands of students and staff. And he, yeah, because he spoke about it in the past, I'd heard him talking about it and people saying he was. And at this time, he hardly ever comes into this office. And I'm kneeling and I'm saying, give me a sign. And he comes, he puts his hand on my shoulder when I'm still kneeling and, and says, I'm kneeling over this. And he says, Dean, I need your help. And I, I just like, I couldn't believe it. I turned around, I got emotional. I told him what I'd been praying. And I started really crying and I'm not, I don't cry too often. And we spoke and he said about religious experiences that he had when his dad was ill and what brought him to Christianity from an atheist background. And he's about 60 now. He's been about Christian for about 20 years. And it was just, just one of them things that I know it could be coincidence, but when there's that many people in the building who are, who are atheist, agnostic, whatever else, not 
and there's the one person I know was a Christian mm -hmm. that that just overwhelmed me at one point and many little experiences like that as well which pushed me towards Christianity fully mm -hmm. yeah 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 I just want to say thank you so much for sharing the, there's a little bit of an echo do you have like an on in the background or something yeah there we go it's gone now awesome um thank you so much for just sharing uh your story uh there's a few things i'm curious about as we kind of like just walk through this um first off you talk about um coming from just like a very like just atheist agnostic like household which is apparently very common in, in western europe which is interesting because like in america that's just obviously not the case at least here um demographically we're a lot more religious at least in our upbringing um like what was kind of like your view of christianity like as um maybe just in the beginning and as you like progress through life like how did like what did you think christianity was like what did you think of like christians like um through your time as not being a christian like how did that progress over time yeah i suppose as a kid up till 17 i would never thought too much about it but i thought they seemed like nice people i mm -hmm. thought uh like i was never an anti-atheist like anti-theist anytime in my life i never got into a phase like that some of my friends currently still are and they have been the whole time but it just didn't appeal to me uh, I could always see a sense of good in them, in Christians and other religious people groups. And so I, I never could claim to be an atheist or anything like that. But I, I, I just viewed them as nice people who are probably wrong and they're just sticking to that and mm -hmm. they don't understand science. That sometimes I might have thought that when I was younger. Uh, but there, yeah, there was never hate or animosity towards them. I suppose as I got older and when I become 17, it was a that's what I said it was a bit of a cultural shock because I still had the old thinking like Adam and Eve and trying to square that and mm. hell and things like that and when you see preachers in London when you do normally see like hellfire preachers on the streets yeah. and I walk past and nobody really likes likes that sort of preaching and I never like that sort of stuff mm. uh so my, yeah my ideas of Christianity were just it, it, it seems nice and people are generally but I never took it seriously to be honest when it until I was 17 and then I dabbled with it and then mm. until a year and a half ago. Yeah. Um, so like in this time, like um, before you were a Christian, like when you viewed like, um, for example, like the, the truthfulness of Christianity, was it like, was it something that you thought was just obviously like not true or is it something you're just kind of like more indifferent to something you never really like thought about um, kind of like in this time of atheism, agnosticism, more agnosticism, um, just like in your, in your beliefs, like what, what did you think about like the truthfulness of Christianity? I, I didn't think too much about it mostly, to be honest. I just assumed it, it, it wasn't kind of, cause when you're, you're raised in this sec, completely secular environment and nobody's talking about friends, family, you just assume naturally it can't be true. It's, it's like a very stubborn sort of mindset, I suppose. And I think a lot of the people in the UK still actually are like this. And I think if if you uh, give them like good, if you show them like good philosophers like Ed Fazer and people like that, we can talk about a bit later, Josh Rasmussen, the greats you've had on your show. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, and then people, if, if they saw them, they'd be amazed. And, and yeah, and I've since I've become a Christian, discovered things like capturing Christianity, your show, and people like that. It's just open my eyes more and more and more. And the intellectual side, like Cameron's line, is isn't exposing yourself to the intellectual side of Christianity. And I was like, whoa, like this is legit as well. Because there's also when I become a Christian again through the religious experiences, we can go uh, like this sort of discuss a bit. Of, like I still had doubts, like can it be squared with rationality and um, things like that because in secular culture you've, you've got like the rational science worldview and then you've got the 
the superstitious religious worldview and it's very much drummed into you from quite a young age and to have them walls drop down and me be able to see well no it is a rational worldview and it's something you have to take seriously and 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 with my religious experience with looking into the resurrection reading nt rights books and things like that it just my life just really changed and it because i'm someone who to believe i can't just go by oh i wish this is true i need some sort of evidence and some sort of I can't just drop the brains at the door and say like that. It's, it's very embedded in me, like through, I suppose, English culture, like to mm-hmm. test things and yeah. try and get to the bottom of things like that. Is, yeah. is my sound okay, by the way? Yeah, your sound's great now. There was a little bit of an echo before, but it's all gone now. Um, okay, okay. Whatever you did, it worked. Um, I didn't do anything that was okay, used. It was all gone. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it's interesting uh, that you bring up just the uh, amount of philosophers, like from the Christian persuasion that have come up. Cause it is really amazing. Like I think we live um, in this time where there's like this narrative almost where it's like Christianity is dying and maybe demographically that's true. When you look at the amount of Christian thinkers, like a Josh Rasmussen, um, Ed Fizz, there's just, there's just so many and just so many coming up. I'm a part of a project called the youth apologetics empire. And I'm just like, there's like 15 people that are just like, know their stuff and i'm just like yeah. oh my gosh i just it's just amazing how many people there are that are really on this intellectual side of uh, christian belief um before we talk about like you, t- you mentioned like um rationality and experience is something super important i'm curious um you brought up this idea of like roman stoicism i believe and kind of like yeah. experimenting with that um at least for someone like myself i have really like no idea what roman stoicism is i don't know if it's something like common in like a, like a european like framework or is it just like like what is roman stoicism and like what does it believe kind of basically um just for people yeah. who don't know where it is it's like a internal philosophy kind of it's like a it's, it's not common in the uk it's quite i think it's probably more common in america actually in recent times mm-hmm. a lot of the books and authors who i was reading like the daily stoics they were they were from america yeah and all the youtube things i was watching were from that and it's kind of it leads on from the law of attraction in certain ways you can get dragged that way and it it's just all about your internal your consciousness and your your thoughts and controlling don't let events around you control yourself you have you can think the thoughts that don't master your own thoughts kind of things like that mm. so it is a bit of mindfulness is like a modern adaption kind of as well and i was just really drawn into it like controlling my own circumstances and not being drawn in and not letting life then it's very useful actually it's like quite a i'm sure they use it in like a lot of therapy nowadays and things like that like keeping in control of your thoughts and using certain breathing exercises you could do as well they've adapted that way like that so yeah it's a it's a saying the romans and the greatest so i think it was the greeks invented it and then on uh, like porches that's where the word stoicism comes from they were outdoor philosophers and it got really big by the time of like first century and things like that and they they tend to think we're reading history like Paul, St. Paul was quite influenced by it in his philosophical mindset being a Roman and things like that. So that all tied in quite interestingly. And as I, as I sort of discussed earlier, my, my main passion was sort of history. Like at school, I, I wasn't the best kid, but I always had a um, desire to learn history. And I spent even from 17 to like 27, I was, I was just really involved in like Roman history, things like that, World War II history, English history, UK history. Mm. So the, uh, Christianity would occasionally pop up in that, which would always interest me. So in terms of Christianity, uh, that that probably gave me a, a setting where I thought, well, Christianity pops up there. That's quite interesting. And 
things like that. And especially with English history, it's very dominant up until like the, including the Reformation period and Henry VIII and things like that. So, which I, I looked quite a lot into. Mm. Uh, I'm curious because um, you bring up English history. I'm taking a course, and part of it involves English history. We're talking about American constitutional history and just going through like the English tradition of like com common law, Magna Carta, and sorts like that. Um, my professor is a great admirer of Oliver Cromwell, um, yeah. one of the leaders of the Glorious Revolution. And, and from what I understand, it's like either you love him or you hate him, um, kind of like in the in the UK. So I'm curious: do you love Oliver, Oliver Cromwell, or do you hate him, or do you want to opt out and go to the next question? Uh, no, I quite like him. Um, I quite liked a lot of his stuff. Um, I, 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 it's strange because I'm, I'm for the monarchy and he had our king's head chopped off. So I don't know how that goes. But <laughs> the king was, yeah, he, he wasn't the best king at the time. He was like divine ruler kings and very, he wouldn't listen to anyone. And so Cr Cromwell, he, he was quite radical. He was a Puritan and extreme forms like ban Christmas and real, you don't celebrate anything. You're just very strict. You, you rip down everything in the church and, it's just a plain church with a Bible, and he, he was very much down to basics, kind of. But yeah, I, I would say I, I like him in ways, but not in others. So <laughs> I, I see what he, he he done a lot of good things, I suppose. But fair enough. Bad. And apparently, his head is still roaming around somewhere, and only the president of uh, I don't think it's Exeter College, but maybe I'm right there. His head is somewhere, and only he knows well, where. He's buried in Cambridge, but there is he's he was what happened? They re dug up Charles II regained the throne and re had his body exhumed, dug back up and hung like on Tower Bridge and other places around uh, <laughs> London, chopped to pieces, and nobody knows what happened to the head apart from maybe someone. So yeah, I don't know. Well, that's your English history lesson in the middle <laughs> of um, a conversation. Um, but back to like the apologetic stuff. Um. You, you, you were talking about like uh, religious experiences and rationality and like trying to figure out, you know, like is Christianity true and such? I'm curious, like what was kind of like the, the transition, like in your mind, like why you have these experiences and you're also trying to balance like the rationality, these questions like Adam and Eve, who's this Jesus person? Um, what kind of like in that process, what kind of like led you starting to like believe like there actually may be some truth um, to this Christianity stuff? I found your ch channel, Zach, and then, and then uh, <laughs> I saw so, all me, not God, all me, you know. Just kidding. No, and um, also, it, in all seriousness, it, it, there was channels like yours and capturing Christianity and things like that really in influenced me because I had another Twitter account, just Dean, my name Dean Scott, and I started following, like looking for apologetics things because I, I I'd heard of William William Lane Craig mm -hmm. like years before, and I'd seen his debate with Hitchens, and I thought, yeah, he won, even when I wasn't a Christian. Really, I thought he won that. Uh, and and so I started looking at him again, and I started really getting obsessed with watching William Lane Craig debates, as like a uh, lot of yeah. people do, like just diving in and like reading his blog on reasonable faith on the website, which is cool. Load of questions, and a lot of the questions, it, like Adam and Eve, he, he touches on. I know he's written a recent book on that. Mm -hmm. And um, oh, who's the guy you had on your show, Adam and Eve, the book? Uh, Dr. Joshua Swamidas. He he's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, I need to get that book. That's on my list, and I really love this show with you. That really helps, actually, and and he, he was on Catching Christianity as well with a, a great show. So I think he was talking to William Lane Craig, actually, on that. Yeah. And, yeah, so it started really William Lane Craig, and then people like Gary Habermas, again, been on your show. Like, mm. he, him and the Resurrection, Mike Lacona. Um, I come across Inspiring Philosophy, who really influenced me. I, like, uh, binge-watched, like, a load of his stuff. Yeah. And I just got hooked, really, from that time, from, I suppose, July onwards, onto that and i just really dived into apologetics and with my background in like in history i started reading history books like um 
I dive straight into NT Wright's book, I think last September, The Resurrection of the Son of God, which is like a mammoth 800 page history book on the resurrection. And I loved it. And it really changed the way I thought about a lot of things. And, and that was brilliant. And yeah, I just went through loads of stuff. And a part of it, as it boiled down to your, your apologetics tournament, I found quite a lot of names of apologists and things like that. And it really influenced me for about a, a good period. So that was cool. Well, I'm honored God um, used me a little bit in your amazing testimony here, Dean. Um, I'm curious, like, at least for me, when I um, first became like, a, what I'd say, a born again Christian and be like three, four years, years ago now, I don't have the exact date in my mind. There was a moment um, when I was just in a hammock, I was reading, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist by, which I think is the worst title of a book ever. I always like to bring that in. Um, but it's yeah. by Frank Turk and Norman Geisler. I was reading in a hammock. Um, and I had this moment where I was like, I think this Christianity stuff is like actually true. Like I actually believe that like Jesus rose from the dead. Was there like a moment for you, like an aha moment or was it more of like a, more like a, a progression? Um, like what was kind of like that moment for you or lack thereof? I think it was just when I reached out, it was more through the religious experiences first mm -hmm. and, yeah. and that aspect and knowing I felt like God had reached out entirely to me and some dreams I had, like one of the dreams were religious experiences I had, I was like in the church, the Holy Selpica in uh, Jerusalem. Mm. And I was coming out from my bird's eye angle coming down and Jesus come out the tomb. Mm. And like literally he was above his tomb and he'd come out and he'd come out right before my face and I opened my eyes in bed and it felt like a man was literally over me. And it, mm. it, it, it could just be a dream or something, but it just felt so realistic. It was, and I needed it so much at that time. And that was just another one of the things, one of the signs that it, it was all little religious experiences like that. Which and then I looked up like um, Braxton Hunter again, another great YouTube channel I was, I was watching, and he was talking about Muslims who have dreams about Jesus and things like that, their testimonies. And so I was like, well, people, other people dream. It's not just me who has random <laughs> dreams about like Jesus coming out too. Yeah, yeah. But so it was more a, a kind of an accumulation over a few months. But I started calling myself a Christian pretty soon after the first sort of uh, religious experiences, and then I got more and more confident through the apologetics. And it, yeah, over periods reading T. Wright and watching William Lane Craig, and progressed over that. And I haven't really explained um, Alexia, my fiance, is like mm. she's Catholic, but she's like nominal Catholic. She's from France uh, near Geneva, and she, uh, when I started saying she, because she never, we never mentioned God. She never mentioned anything like that. She said she went to Catholic school when she was young, but that primary school in France. And then we started talking about it, and she said, yeah, I occasionally pray. When I was talking about this, and I was like, should we? Can, can you come church with me? And so we started attending churches where we live, local, um, in Greenwich, where I am now, and we was attending Catholic churches. But we just, I, I didn't get the, the vibe or the, the feeling, and I can't explain. There's nothing wrong with it, and she didn't either. And really, we attended some high church Anglican, which I don't know if you know much about the Anglican church, but it's very close to Catholicism, the high church mm -hmm. version, you got, and the low church version is very close to um, Protestantism. And then we, I remember the church I went to with my parents like 10 years before, 11 years before. I said, let's try that. We drive over and then we go to my parents after. And we went back there as the same pastor, a really nice guy. And mm. it just felt like home. And we've been going to that church since. I've been baptized in there from last September. Mm. And it, it, it just, you know, I just knew I was home. And mm. just the, the way he preached certain sermons, there were experiences myself. And I can just touch on another religious experience I had when I was being baptized, actually. So it was a full immersion pool 
and just before we were going in there were seven of us being baptized the church was packed and uh i was standing there and they come and say prayers on you so stand behind and i don't know if you've ever seen in like them healing videos when people touch their hands and they just drop yeah <laughs> but it, honestly the, he was praying and the, the guy had his hand behind me and i just wanted something was compelling me to drop back and i, I had to keep up my eyes because i would have knocked the guy behind me into the pool and it could have been a great like a uh, youtube moment if anyone was filming it but but I, I had to keep opening my eyes and, I, and then I just felt this overwork before that I was nervous when I talked so I had to do a little speech and I just felt this overwhelming calmness and I, I'd never felt anything like it and it felt like the spirit was in me the Holy Spirit and that was a magical moment and being baptized meant just so much to me and my family mm. and my family were front row and they, they'd come to church to see me mm. even though they're not really Christians but uh, it was just lovely and uh, a great moment yeah, yeah, well, yeah, well uh, praise uh, God, praise for, your God for your story. Um, um, I'm hearing a little bit of echo. Bit. Can you just mute yourself again for a second? Um, awesome. Um, thank you. Sorry, I'll just leave you muted for a second. I don't know what happened with the echo. Um, but you talk about um, Christ um, kind of transforming your life. You brought this up a little bit, like with like how you've changed and just like how you view the world and just like your actions and stuff. But like um, just, I'd be curious if you could just talk a little bit about how like coming from like maybe a, a non-believing background and kind of like the choices you made and just like becoming a Christian, how that like just kind of like changed how you chose to live your life and how it's kind of like just transformed you um, in your life. Like what has God been doing in your life? Yeah, sure. Um, it, it's completely changed me to be honest i, I don't drink anymore really I, I might have one or two occasionally but i i have no desire to drink uh, i i don't really want to go out and party or whatever it's just the desire has changed for me is i, I want to read i want to get on and read like theology or philosophy or religion and things like that i, I want to pray I, I spend my devotions i've got like a charles spurgeon book i read every day and like a devotional book i read my bible daily and i've just my my whole life is sort of transformed by it i'd started the twitter thing london fierce as like a way where i can get more in contact with more christians mm. and more uh, learn learn more from christians and really smart atheists as well mm. and just to just to grow and and because where, where i am and i've become a full christian is distanced me from certain friends in ways but i've got i've gained a, a lot of new church friends which is really nice and that's why i really miss church when we're locked down and things like that and yeah, I, I, it's just my character just seems to change. People have noticed, like, I, I seem happier, I seem nicer, they say at work. And it, it, I just feel, I feel better than myself. I, I feel more, I, I occasionally have down days when I think about back and, I don't know, if it's devil or things playing on my mind for the sins I've had in the past and mm. the way I used to think and the things I've done for my life. So I occasionally get like that. But but overall, the, the influence and knowing God loves me and, and I get to spend eternity with him is just incredible and I'm truly blessed to be where I am now and I'm really thankful so. yeah praise God um I'm curious um a couple more questions here uh obviously you're a lot more interested in like theology and apologetics and like now I'm curious like what got you interested in like theology and apologetics after you like became a Christian and like looking at like these big questions and such I think it was just my desire to learn and my desire uh, uh, from like a rational sort of background. It, I wanted to to prove that, no, no, this isn't just me. Like, the, I'm sure of these religious experiences and I'm I'm watching YouTube and seeing all these other people and Christians I talk to have all had these religious experiences. 
But I want to know rationally as well, can this be justified? Like mm. fears them in general, like, so I want to see the best. I, I, I want to, I went to William Lane Craig and then I started watching people on your show and Cameron's show and following them and thinking, watching other interviews they've done and thinking, well, th- th- these people that, these are real smart people and they're believing this. And I, I just, you don't have that background knowledge from, from an agnostic position. You don't see this, these people, you don't, you would never hear of them in the UK. So it was incredible. Justin Briley, I don't know if you've heard of him. He's yeah. over here. He has a great show, which I, mm-hmm. I occasionally listen to as well, and he, he's done great for the UK. But but that's a very – he has like a radio called Premier Christian Radio, which you don't listen to unless you're a Christian, basically, mm-hmm. or unless you know about that. And uh, But he, he, he does great as well. So I, so I listen to him more and his guests. And it, you start to know all your top theologians and N.T. Wright heavily influenced me. And things like that and, and once i started to realize how rational it was uh it took me on a journey and through twitter through london fierce i've grown and grown and learned more and it's been a process i joined i think in april last year and it's or this year sorry and i've and it, i've just seen and it's also shown me exposed me to the best side of atheism like people like secular outpost and mm. real way theology people i follow because i respect them and i see i want to see them and people like they listen to like Graham Opie and things like I, I want to see the best of it and I don't want to just be because when I first joined the things I saw straight away as you do like Atheist Republic and Atheist Forum mm. things like that I thought whoa well, look at these guys and then you respond <laughs> I'm responding to everything I'm like no there's uh, occasionally people do jokes like respond to them like look at these people but overall it's, it's helped me grow out of and I realized that new atheism phase, which I thought was like the peak of atheism, mm-hmm. is actually that's dying out. There's a lot of online mm-hmm. troll atheists who still hold to that. But for the most part, like the intellectual atheism put growing a little bit more. And I think that's a lot in to do with how strong the philosophy of religion side mm-hmm. is and philosophy of mind side, like Ed Fazer and people like that who have up the levels and Richard Swinburne, of course, and people like these, they, they've once I started learning about them. It, you, you just see how much there is in competition. I think atheists are realizing that it, a lot of them have realized for a while, was of course as well. But they need to up the game in ways, and so it's a fascinating time. And like you said, your your young guys like you invoking theism, uh, inspiring Christianity, and things like that. There's loads of young guys who are real smart, and it's, uh, I'm just learning from everyone, which is great. And, <laughs> it's an amazing time to be alive just in terms of the uh, transformation that we have in knowledge um, and such. It's just, it is really so amazing. I'm just thinking like um, in philosophy of religion, just the progress we're making towards theism. I've been talking with philosophers and I've just noticed like uh, like 50 years ago, the idea of there being like a first cause or something like that was very extraordinary most people wouldn't wouldn't accept that but a lot more people are starting to accept this idea of like a first cause and i think we're progressing we're to where we're going to get to primarily towards the gap problem and i think we're eventually just going to end up with most people either being like theists or deists uh lots of young guys like kyle alander i don't know if you know who kyle is christian idealism he's a genius um the principle of simple unification uh which he came on like a week ago to talk about could be really powerful evidence uh, for god and such i just wanted to highlight on that there's so many amazing people um, in the philosophy of religion realm. Uh, but Dean, I have um, one more question to you and then we'll open up for some Q&A. Uh, I saw some questions in the live chat. So if you want to like go after Dean, I encourage you for him being a Tottenham fan, please blast him um, and we'll have him respond about why he can root for such a poor team this year. Um, but what like you talk about like spiritual experiences being a large part of your journey. Um, I think 
two things can be said. One, um, maybe a skeptic would say, hey, that's more of like an emotional conversion. That's not actually like evidence or facts or anything like that. And then two, like for the person that's like maybe doubting, but it's like, I want these experiences, but I, I don't know how to have them. Like, obviously you're not like a pastor or a theologian, but kind of like, what would you respond um, in terms of that terms with those two questions? Yeah, in terms of the skeptics view, it, it that did, that's what I said when I looked into the rationality of it and is there good arguments for religious experience and things like that. And, and I was looking into it, there's so many people, like billions of people on earth who have had religious experience who feel a religious desire, like um, C.S. Lewis says, the argument from desire. Like you, if your desires can't be satisfied in this earth, there's something outside of it, which is dragging you. And so many people have that, even in secular countries like UK. There's still in the UK, there's still this sense of like a supernatural. People will talk about laws of attraction, positive thinking, or I'll say this, or there's still like a sense they're saying, oh, there, there's heaven. There, you'd hear that sometimes. People say there's heaven like in the UK. And they're like, well, if you're agnostic, how does that make sense? So yeah. if you're not even really sure of God and things like that. So I, I just think the religious experience thing, even though you can say it's emotional or it's deep emotional needs, but it, it seems like so, why is it coming when you're when you're expecting it? And are you just that desperate to look into it maybe and is everyone on earth that desperate to reach it? But that desperation maybe is a desire showing a natural inclination towards God, which is inside of all of us and which is even if, even if it's through like evolutionary processes whatever the skeptic might say there's a desire which is not just fight survival things like that we we aim higher and onto an end like teleology and a teleological end and things like that and sorry what was the second point of the, uh just for someone that was like wondering um i don't think you have to mute anymore um i don't know whatever it was okay. stop again <laughs> um it was just kind of like for someone that's like questioning like um like how can i have these religious experiences or like i'm a skeptic but why i've prayed i've done it but i've never like had an experience like that i know you're not like a theologian but, like what would you say to someone who's maybe wrestling with that first of all i'd say it's, it's okay like not to have it there's, there's many christian apologists and christian things who have said like i think jonathan mcclatchy and things like i've heard him say he's never had a religious experience but he, he completely believes through the evidence and things like that so there's a rational route to it as well i would also say keep praying uh put yourself in certain things like this have you heard of craig reed uh, another youtuber christian mm -hmm. and I, i've heard him talking he has like great things he said if you put yourself in the same experience he'll get and he guarantees you will feel a religious experience so there's certain things certain churches that can amp that up and certain things so i just think that the religious experience argument is really strong in my opinion because mm -hmm. i've had a subjective personal thing but i've also noticed objective people because of the amount that have had it but it's nothing to panic about if you haven't you, there's still plenty of time and keep praying and try that if that's what if you want to mm -hmm. want to reach and i'm sure he will show his way mm -hmm. yeah it's a powerful argument it's even in the blackwell companion uh for natural theology oh, cool. which is like one of the premier textbooks uh for christian theism so there's definitely some legs to it um we're gonna do a little bit of q a here um oh, the, no, the programmer <laughs> the programmer <laughs> says how much have you read in philosophy and theology and if the answer um doesn't include john calvin then I think you're you'd be a heretic then, right? I've I've got um John Calvin's um the Institute which um I sent I put a picture of my bookcase up the other day on Twitter and people were commenting and that's one of the books I'm reading for at the moment. So mm. I'm trying to get more into the theology. I've I've read quite a bit of Ed Phaser recently. I read The Last Superstition, The Five Proofs of God's Existence, which really blew my mind and I I, I love them. I've read uh, On God, William Lane Craig. I've, I've read 
yeah i've read quite a bit of philosophy on that on that i've read nt Wright, mike lacona uh i've read yeah so so in terms of the theology and philosophy i've read quite a bit i've read richard swinburne on the son of god uh pdf so i've read quite quite a few i've got loads to read i've got a massive list i read c.s lewis a few of his problem of pain things mm, like that yeah. which i really enjoyed yeah yeah i'm reading um Balkum, the eyewitness jesus and the eyewitnesses which is a brilliant book really enjoying that so i'm trying to mix it up but i don't, I don't want to just philosophy is quite hard for me mm. I, i'm really enjoying it but I'm, I'm a right amateur at it and i even say in my london face i'm i feel like amateur of history philosophy and theology yeah. but, but i'm quite I'm a lot better in history so I, I tend to read like dominion tom holland's really great book mm. and yeah I, I tend to go steer towards history but I, i'm now reading quite a lot of philosophy and theology as, as it really strengthens my faith and these great philosophers you've got to use them and be all these great <laughs> defenders of theism yeah there's it's, it's amazing how many books there are to read like i have like i think i'm like i found goodreads a few months ago maybe like three or four now and i already have like 800 books on my to read list so there's yeah. so much there's so much literature out there um santhia finding truth um shout out to finding truth great youtube channel there uh says what is your favorite argument for god in why hi sandy i hope you all thank you for the question um yeah i i'd say personally it's my religious experiences mm. i'd say intellectually i really like it fires and stuff like the aristilian proof for god like a potential and actuality so instead of like a lineal time uh, regress, which I know people like Joseph Rasmussen and that are working on at the moment, and Rob Coons and things like that with the Grim Reaper paradox, mm -hmm. which is great arguments and um, in replies to Kalam cosmological. But you've got like a hierarchical sense of events. So it will, what is causing everything to be in existence at this moment, instead of not saying what calls me, like my mum, and then it goes back like that, like right now in this second, you would go, like say that light bulb, it's got the chain, then it's got the hat, the ceiling, then it goes down, then it's got the foundation, then it's got the ground, and then you base it all the way down to what is causing that being being held at this very moment. And the base level is the um, purely actual existence. So it, I haven't explained it great, but it, it's basically really strong argument from Ed Pfizer and other atomists, but really push it quite hard. And I, I find it really convincing. I also like, still like the Kalam and things like that, the linear one, which other Christians push, like Rob Coons and things like that. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to me, um, just very briefly in causal finitism and like Rob Coons and Josh Rasmussen, um, I think there's really compelling arguments for like a first cause, but it's amazing. A lot of the uh, theist philosophers are also saying, even if there wasn't a first cause, which they'd all say they do, um, they're finding ways that you can make strong arguments for God, even without a first cause, like principle of simplification, contingency arguments, um, even though they would agree there is a first cause, which is really interesting. Um, I think there's no more questions, but I have a question for you. Um, I don't get to talk a lot with English football fans. Yeah. Um, I'm stuck here in America where everyone's kind of like, you know, they're more into the American football. But I'm curious what your what your Premier League top four prediction is going to be for this upcoming season. Maybe give me a bottom three. I have Liverpool, Leicester two, th City three, and Chelsea four. Um, am I crazy? What do you think? You're okay. I think Liverpool <laughs> are going to win it again. So um, that would be good news for you being a Liverpool fan. I think it'll go Liverpool, Man City, Tottenham, and then Chelsea. I Gotta think that's get, a solid what one. is Tottenham? In? They're only like twelfth place or something right now. I'm pretty so, sure. Tottenham are second. We're second oh. in the league. We're doing very well. 
Who am I and, to say that I'm an and, English football fan? Oh my gosh! And two years ago, we were in the Champions League final against Liverpool, which we lost. So we we done well. We done well. <laughs> um, who's your bottom three then? I I mean, apparently, I don't even know where Tottenham's placed, but I do believe <laughs> that the bottom three you'll have probably like West Brom and Fulham. Yeah. And yes. I think maybe a Burnley. I don't know. What do you think? I think them two at West Brom, Fulham, and East out of Burnley or Sheffield United for the third mm. relegation. So, <laughs> um, on your point, you mentioned about um. Sorry, I, I just added my boy. You said about the contingency where you don't need a first cause. It's very Thomas Aquinas um, influence because he was very big. Like in the medieval times, they didn't like from Aristotle onwards. They they didn't think that there was a start. They thought the universe was eternal, but Aquinas' arguments still were hierarchical, things like that. So, And that's, he's heavily influenced like arguments like that. So we've got the, both the hierarchical and the infinite regress. So that's two really strong arguments. So. Yeah, there's some really good arguments um, for God. It's amazing how much. Yeah. It's just, it's amazing how many arguments that are out there. Like I think, uh, at least when I first was in, it saw apologetics for the first time. I was like, oh, you got it like a cosmological. There's one, there's actually like at least three different, completely different cosmological arguments. But I was like, yep. there's the one cosmologically, you have like one design, you have an argument against evolution and maybe fine tuning. And that's like your four arguments for the existence of and morality. But it's amazing how many arguments there actually are for the existence of God. I think consciousness is a strong argument mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Even abstract objects like mathematics and mm -hmm. things like that. William and Craig and Pfizer are both pushing that recently. So there's just loads, and there's actually the book. Is it uh, two two dozen arguments for God? Is it like the Alvin Plantinga project last year that mm -hmm. uh, loads of philosophers wrote in that? So really yeah. interesting, loads of arguments. So. Yeah. I just finished Fezzer's, um chapter in Five Proofs. I believe it was yesterday on like an argument from abstract objects, which is really yeah. interesting. And it's interesting um, consciousness. I'm just bringing this up because you brought this up. Josh Rasmussen, a champion of the contingency argument, is probably one of the best defenders, if not the best defender today. He thinks the argument from consciousness is more powerful. Wow. Um, I believe he said for the existence of God. And it's really, when you think about it, it's a really good argument. Um, I know people like Secular Outpost, the atheist, um, on Twitter, he always pushes. He says that's a good argument for theism, and he's got his own little thing. And I was like, well, that's respectful that like a top atheist can admit that like, there's certain things that favour theism, and and they they see consciousness as definitely favouring theism, which is great. So, um, kind of along with the uh, the same line, Spartan theology says, what's a theological topic slash position you've either re you've recent either of us have recently changed our mind about recently? Do you want me to go first, and then you? Yeah. Go ahead. I have to think about this because I, I, I have all the answers and I can't be wrong. Um, so I have to kind of make something up here, but you go ahead. I think hell, the doctrine of hell, because when, when I first uh, became a Christian, it, like from that May onwards, it, it was something that was always bugging me. Uh, William and Craig's answers to it, like it, it, it just didn't sit right with me entirely, eternal conscious torment. And I didn't realize there was other options. And then mm -hmm. I started really looking to a guy called Phil who I spoke to the other week on on YouTube and I've been speaking on Twitter for months and he's called the Hell Project and he was talking about annihilationism and conditionalism and showing me all these biblical passages like even in the most famous John 3.16, um, whoever believes me shall not perish and things like that, Word, certain wordings all throughout the New Testament that point directly towards annihilationism and away from the eternal conscious torment. So I just really see that as my view of God and how loving he is that I could see that. And and I, I know you've had universalists on the channel, um, Rashmutin and, and others who 
who have spoke about that, and I, I think that's a viable option. I'd love that to be true. I don't. I'm not there yet, and I'd love it to be. But I think biblically, I'm more in a conditionalism camp. And someone's told me recently that Bart Ehrman seems to point, think the New Testament points towards a conditionalism understanding of hell, which I'm sure you're aware of the topic. But if anyone who doesn't know, it's like an annihilation. Like those who are not raised with Christ into the new heaven and earth will be annihilated and wiped out. They, they won't be eternally in torment, which which doesn't sit it's hard for me to to take that part of christianity but it, it could be true and but yeah i, I lean towards conditionalism so that you go zach <laughs> no 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 um that's great i do want to clarify um josh rasmussen he would hold to universal reconciliation not universalism um, oh, okay so i'd encourage everyone i did an interview with josh to talk about it. he also wrote a book him and his wife when heaven invades hell that that described a lot better than I would um, here, but universalism would say typically, um, obviously every person is different. You need to talk to them to understand what they believe uh, that like there's all different roads to God. You can be a Muslim, a Hindu, whatever. Um, and Josh would affirm that it's only through Christianity, but he would believe in like a form of reconciliation um, probably after death uh, is what Josh would say. But in terms of like what, my I've changed my mind on, I read Nick Quint's book on entire sanctification, the perfection of our faithful wills. And I'm not convinced of the entire sanctificationist position, but I'm definitely considering it a lot more. Um, so that's a theological topic I was talking with my roommate with today, even. Um, so something uh -huh. I'm working through. Uh, Callum asked, asked a really important question. How can you th on earth think that Tottenham is going to do better than Chelsea? Like, listen, honestly. Listen, we've got Harry Kane, we've got Son, we've got Gareth Bale back. So Chelsea, <laughs> we've got Jose on charge, Chelsea's greatest ever manager. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got two words: Christian Pulisic. Um, he's always he's good so he's kind of a bummer. Um, he's... best football in the world. I feel like we had an exchange about this. You recently. don't, you don't want to start this. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's Cristiano Ronaldo, and it always has been. Uh, he's the greatest of all time. I've got his book. I've, I, I like idolize him, kind of. So. Mm. Cool. I, I I say Messi. Um, but that's going to be a conversation uh, for another day. Um. Calamas also says, um, Hakeem Zayek's left foot, therefore there is a god. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's a great footballer, Zayek. He was at um, Ajax before that, and he played against us in the Champions League a couple of years ago. He's really good. So, Chelsea have got some great players, just no Harry Kane. So, how could you root for a team that broke Ajax, Ajax? I don't know how to pronounce them, heart like that a few years ago in the Champions League? That was, oh, I was in tears celebrating. That was brutal. Oh my Special gosh, moment. that was brutal. Um, for those of you guys who are like, what are they talking about? Can you stop <laughs> start talking about like theology instead of like soccer? Do we have any English people in the chat or is it just all? <laughs> that was one of the more painful experiences of my life, just seeing their reactions. Um, really important question here from John DePew. He says, what's y'all's advice uh, for a young Christian who may be struggling with their trust in God and feel a sense, um, feel a sense of guilt for doubting? That's a really good question. Um, do you want to yeah. go first or second, Dean? I'll give you the option. I'll go, I'll go second this time. I won't go first. <laughs> Um, I mean, I would say, um, it's okay to doubt. Like, I think that, um, I'd be curious, like we'd ask this person, like, maybe like, why do you feel the sense of guilt for doubting? Cause I think when you look through the Bible, um, I think it's very clear that it, it's okay to doubt. I mean, if like, it's bad to doubt, I mean, just about every single figure in the Bible that you read struggles with doubts, whether you go to like a Peter or a Thomas, or I, I just think like, just go through the Psalms. Like I read the Psalms all the time and you can see that doubting is very real. 
Um, Psalms 22 is a great example where it talks about like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me? Um, things like that. So I think doubt is very normal and it's very biblical, though I do think it's important to find like a biblical way of handling doubt. Um, that's a really good question, John. So thank you. Yeah, that, that was great, Zach. I said something very similar. And um, I think Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus, by saying he's the truth, it means it, it's like a way you, you need, he, he will understand you trying to search for that truth and doubting certain things and changing your mind on certain topics like universalism or additionalism or uh, uh, should women be pastors, things like that. There's certain topics which we should doubt and even God's own existence you should wrestle with hard topics like uh, another thing that's really struggled with me like animal suffering and mm. believing in evolution and i said to zach i said thanks him uh, for having caleb on the show the yeah. other day it, it, it was brilliant it was like to, mm. to tackle such a tough i haven't heard people talk about such a tough thing and his theodicy really draws it home so i'd really recommend anyone to listen to that and there's real difficult questions out there and we we got to just keep trying to fight but there's real difficult questions from atheists and every worldview every worldview mm -hmm. is battling and yeah. i feel christianity is the truth and i would keep striving to try and mm -hmm. there's there's no guilt in doubting isn't it uh there is no guilt and doubt as long as we handle it in a healthy way that honors yeah. god um Kyle says you guys should do a hangout to watch the champions league i feel like yeah. we're like three weeks away from the next match day though um so yeah we'll it's see. a couple of international break now so we have to wait a few years maybe though to watch tottenham play so you know oh yeah you know. just because we're out of it <laughs> hey you're in the europa league i think um, i'd love to win that yeah so like that counts for something um last question here we'll kind of head off in this direction um how can we follow you dean and the london theist and what you got going on i, I only do twitter uh, this is like my third ever youtube thing i'm i'm, I'm not Oh, I'm just happy to do Twitter and learn off like all the philosophers and Christian theologians and your channel, Zach, and Cameron's, everything like that. So I, I just, it, it'll be great if any more people could follow me on Twitter on London Theist. I post like nice verses I see from theology or philosophy to talk, I've talked to quite a few people on there. So it, it's great. I, I enjoy Twitter, but I don't really do much social media or things like that other than that. But yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, Dean, um, thank you so much. Uh, is there any kind of like last thoughts, things you didn't gonna say that you want to bring up before we head out here? No, I don't think there's much, Zach. I, I really thank you for having me on. I'm, 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 I'm really excited. You got a uh, elephant philosophy yeah, coming up. Yeah, His channel is really good, and he, he's like come out of nowhere it seems, and he's like really, really smart man. So I'll be really interested to see him on your channel. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah, thank you very much for this, Zach. And I hope some people enjoyed it and. <laughs> I'm not a professional by any means, but I just love studying things like that and learning and grinding the spirit and hopefully it blesses someone for us having this conversation. That would yeah. be ideal. And my Twitter page hopefully blesses some people, so I'm really thankful. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, Dean, thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your story and just being transparent transparent on your journey um, to Christianity. I encourage everyone, if you're not a Christian, maybe today's the day your journey begins or comes to an end in Christianity. Um, but as always, I hope you enjoyed adhering to apologetics. As always, uh, I keep saying as always a lot. I don't know why. Um, but if you're new here, I encourage you, you can subscribe, uh, whether you're listening via YouTube or a podcast. You can leave us a like, a review, all that helps. And if you enjoy the show, you can support the show at patreon.com slash adhering apologetics. I need to calculate the numbers again, but right now I think we're about 80-ish percent funded. So I really appreciate everyone's support. You can support us for one, two, five dollars a month. Anything helps. Um, 
Dean, once again, thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. And I hope you have a good evening and stay safe um, during your lockdown again in the UK. Thank you very much, Zach. Really appreciate it. And thank you for your kind words and a great interview. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. God bless.